We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. For boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Villato. Unfortunately, as the title reads on the stream yard where we record this, it's just read like this over and over again. Now it's Cowboys Giants, quote unquote, loss. And it's another loss we and we're coming to you with. This team just is not winning games. This point in time, it doesn't feel like they're going to win, at least in my mind, like they're going to win any games the rest of the season. I include the Bears game in that, which was a very winnable game early on when we thought Daniel Jones was here. I mean, you know, a lot of people have said, look, Watching Mike Glennon play makes me miss Daniel Jones. I get it. I don't think you're setting off the the highest bar there, but it just goes to show just how bad he is as a QB2 right now. And, you know, it is what it is, but there are teams around the NFL dealing with a lot of problems. The Green Bay Packers came into this game with four backup offensive linemen in the game. Aaron Rodgers on a toe injury that's going to need surgery in the offseason. Only one good receiver in that offense, no tight end, no second receiver, no third receiver. And they put up points and they move the football. The Giants can't do either of those two things. This offense is reaching historic levels of bad. Nick, I come to you now and I ask you this. Do you remember in the offseason when we talked about the Giants after that Patriots preseason game where the offensive line looked disastrous? And you started to get a little nervous. I hadn't fully gotten there, but I told you that someone I know, and I can't reveal this source, who's friends with Mike Glennon, actually, said to me during that moment, like after that game, he was like, this offense is a total disaster. He's like between, they kept it between themselves. But he's like, this offense is a total disaster from the timing, from how they practice, like from the plays we're able to create in practice. And it's translated fully onto the field. Now it's ironic because Glennon's not doing anything to help the offense. He's only hurting the offense because he's a terrible quarterback. But man, oh man, we're reaching historic levels of bad. They don't score any points. They don't generate any explosive plays. And it's to the point where it's almost a question as to how Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman and John Mara and whoever you want to like throw in this, but Judge for sure, because he's the only one who's going to be left. Mara's here for good. 
could look themselves in the mirror and say, all we need to do is add Kenny Galladay and we're going to get this thing going. Because it's essentially what the Giants did about their pathetic offense in 2016. So all I got to do is add Brandon Marshall and we're going to get this thing going. That's not. It didn't get going. Jason Garrett was a bad failed offense and they brought it back. And, you know, we look at it today and it's just like kitchens can't solve this thing, obviously. There's improvement, I think, Nick, if I'm going to look for a silver lining here before I turn it over to you in the run blocking. I thought the run blocking looked better today than it had in a long time. Devontae Booker obviously is the one who took most advantage of that, which seems to be, unfortunately, a reoccurring theme for this team. <laughs> Some people even saying he might be the RB1. <laughs> That's not playing like the RB1 because he's a bench. You know, he's not he's not actually serving that role. But, man, I'm looking for positives, and they're hard to find. And I, I'm, I'm like, you know, Nick, I'm just so surprised the offense is this bad. I never thought it was going to. I know. I didn't believe in Jason Garrett's offense. Neither did you, really. But we both on the, you know, off pod have discussed that, like, the coaching only takes you so far. The players play the game. I just never thought we'd get this much ineptitude from the actual players and the execution. It's crazy, man. It's insane. And the Giants brass also went into the year thinking, hey, we're also getting a healthy Saquon Barkley back. We're also going to have Daniel Jones second year in the system. All of those things kind of came together along with the Kenny Galladay addition. And then I think the biggest issue by far from this coaching staff, from this front office was the lack of, I guess, attention in the offseason that they they failed to put into the offensive line by far. And I mean, we said it, we say it every week. So I don't even want to sound like a broken record and be so redundant, but that's the biggest issue for me. And you're right in this game. There were a couple plays that I felt like were incredibly well blocked up specifically the fourth and one thirty one yard run by Devonte Booker. That was an excellent block and design by the New York yep. Giants. It was an excellent block by Matt Skura as the backside guard pulling to kick out Trayvon Diggs. And then they had Darius Slayton who was reduced tight. He blocked down to kind of pick up that nickel defender. And they also used Sterling Shepard to drag Jerron Curse away from the strong side of that run. So I thought that was a really well-designed play from the New York Giants. And it's ironic that both, well, not really ironic, but it's just funny, I guess, that both of the field goal drives from the Giants were sprung from Devontae Booker long runs. He also, also had that 28-yard run where he tried to hit the B gap, but there was absolutely nothing there. And he pulled yeah. the Saquon Barkley and bounced it outside and outran a couple defenders. And I really like what Devontae Booker is doing. We weren't overly high on that signing, mainly because it was the first day of free agency. And that was the only signing that really came up. We're like, really, we're going to allocate this much cap, which wasn't that much cap. But we're, this is what we're prioritizing backup running back when you know that uh, other backup running backs going to be signed for much less, which did end up happening. But at the end of the day, I, I'm pleased with what Booker offers. I do wish he had a little bit more juice, though, bro, because if that was Saquon yeah. Barkley on that fourth and one, that could have been housed. I thought the same thing. I wish that was Saquon Barkley, though. I don't know if he maybe processes it the same way as Booker. Who knows? Um, that could probably be in play. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I like Booker as a talent. I thought they had a – they have – I mean, we can go back and say, like, maybe we were wrong on this, but – I'm not so sure because, like, yes, I like him on the talent. I think they did a good job there. But, like, the real teams are, are knocking out of the park drafting the Ramondre Stevensons of this world, right? Like, the Patriots got Ramondre Stevenson. You watch Ramondre Stevenson play the football game. He, he's got way more juice than Booker. He forces more missed tackles. He's more physical. He's a much better running back, and he's only a rookie, and he costs nothing. You know, you invest a fourth-round pick. Well, guess what? You're paying 800 against the cap for four years. So that's really where I've always wanted to find running backs. For a roster building process, it's always that third and fourth round. I think that's where all the value is. Um, I think the NFL's kind of proven that over the years, though there is a case to be made that, like, for the true top end backs, the best of the best, that's Jonathan Taylor, 
you know, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook. That's the top of the second round, really. So if you want the best of the best, and even Javante Williams is showing signs of that early on as well, and they traded up to get him. So kind of depends what you want, your flavor. But, you know, spending the second overall pick and then, a, a, a you know, a, a decent-sized contract uh, on a backup, that's probably not my raw, ideal roster building strategy, but I'm happy to have him, like you said, because he's good, and he runs the eight carries for 74 yards. Like, he's the only offense on this football team right now. They don't have other offense, but they did generate a little bit of offense at the end of this game. I know it was garbage time. I know the Cowboys were up 21-6 and really had no reason to hit hard, to play tight coverage, to put pressure on the quarterback. It was two-minute offense. It was, I'm up 21-6, and this doesn't matter. So I want to keep that in mind. But Jake Fromm generated a little bit of offense at the end of this game, Nick. When he came in, obviously doesn't have the greatest arm, but that third and long completion was a pretty nice anticipatory throw. You know, he threw that ball before the receiver got out of his break. Um, and, it, you know, it, it didn't get there with any kind of velocity, but it got there. Um, threw a couple other decent balls on that drive. Missed the touchdown at the end. I think he could have hit that with a better anticipation. Obviously, it was a zero blitz. Like, it's not easy for a quarterback, but put a little air under it. You have Slayton there open for the touchdown. I mean, there was actually a crosser that was a, a slant on the backside to Gale. It was open as well. But I thought he showed a good, decent command of the huddle. It wasn't taking that. Maybe just put this guy in hurry up. And, and like, here's the thing. The Giants don't want to run hurry up right now because, like, they don't have trust in the quarterbacks, Glennon, and now if it's from, from. But the only time they can generate offense is out of hurry up anyway. So just run hurry up with from. What's the worst that can happen? Like, they scored six points today trying their own game plan. So, I don't know. I liked from. I liked him out of the hurry up. What did you make of that? And do you, do you think the Giants should move forward with from as the quarterback? They should absolutely move forward with Fromm as the quarterback. I don't really necessarily want them to always be in hurry up because you have to possess the ball and give your defense a break. So that's that's something that uh, I feel like they should also continue to attempt to run the football, continue to attempt to kind of get Saquon Barkley the ball in space, which they attempted to do throughout this game as well. And in terms of that last drive, man, it's a 13-play, 84-yard drive, and yes, there, it didn't end in a touchdown. But the Cowboys were still coming, man. They, they were still trying to pin their ears back and sack Jake Fromm. That's why they were jumping off sides. They sent a cover zero blitz on that fourth down. Like, they weren't just kind of playing soft zone. Like, eh, whatever. Right. They weren't, like, lackadaisical about it. I thought Fromm, again, he doesn't have a lot of velocity. He's not going to press the ball vertically all that well. But he did throw with anticipation on that third and ten pass that you were referring to Kenny Galladay that went for ten yards. Then he found Galladay for 36 yards a little bit later on in that drive. It might have been the next play. So he was moving the football relatively well and it's not like he was uh not met with resistance he was also sacked on the second first and 10 during that drive so from to me he, he impressed me for what we're used to seeing with mike glenn and i think the conversation that Joe Judge alluded to, if there is no Daniel Jones, between who's it going to be, Mike Glennon or Jake Fromm, I think it has to go to Jake Fromm because you can't trot Glennon out there again, dude. It was one of the more unwatchable offenses I've seen in recent football history, bro. And it's been consecutive games now, three games in a row of just putrid, stinky, smelly offense. We can't trot that out there against the Philadelphia Eagles next Sunday. And I know starting Jake Fromm in Philadelphia is not ideal, and that's why there's going to be a conversation. But I I think the Giants have to try and spice something up here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Glennon was the one who, you know, the 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 whistleblower that didn't actually whistleblow and just had an idea of how bad this offense could be. But at the same time, he's not helping it. I mean, he had 24 attempts and generated 99 passing yards. Like you said, that can go in history or, you know, can be argued and debated about as maybe the worst performance by a quarterback in a single game. Like it might not be. I'm sure there's worse. Eli had some bad ones his rookie year, but it was so bad out there. Three interceptions, 99 yards, and 24 attempts. That's 
out of control. It's otherworldly bad for Mike Glennon. And he's regressing. He's getting worse and worse and worse as we move on. After, despite having a full week of practice this week, because he had the concussion last week that held him back from that last week. Doesn't matter. It's getting worse. And this is not exactly a matchup where the Giants you know, couldn't generate anything. They generated offense against the Cowboys the first time they played them. Glennon was part of that. He generated a little bit himself. But Daniel Jones generated a ton in that first half. I think Kadarius Tony had 151 receiving yards in this game. Of course, the Giants aren't anywhere near 151 receiving yards for any receivers. Kenny Galladay tops out at 53. Evan Ingram's their second leading receiver at 34, 33. And then Barkley is 24 yards on dump offs. I mean, that's the offense today. That and 124 yards rushing between Barker, I'm sorry, Barkley and Booker. That's going to lead to six points, right? Like if you don't generate more than 178 yards in the passing game, and that's with the 82 from Fromm on the last drive, you're not going to score any points. And that's kind of where they're at right now. So I'm with you. Put Jake Fromm in there. I don't necessarily think that's going to wake up the offense or have the Giants be some kind of great team, but I think he'll be able to move the offense a little better than Glennon. And worst case scenario, you lose literally nothing because Glennon can't be the QB2 next year. Not shouldn't be, can't be. They need to upgrade this position. How are how is Baltimore out there finding players like Tyler Huntley? And the Giants don't can can't put anyone out there better than Mike Glennon. So just put him out there from, in my mind, see what happens. Maybe he shows a little juice. I don't love his arm talent, so I'm probably never going to really like this guy too much. But, you know, I it, at this point, I'm yearning for the days. I say, I'll say it again, Nick, like I said last week. I'm yearning for the days of Colt McCoy, who I was pretty harsh on last year. So I think that just goes to show. I'm back on, you know what? Arm talent for a QB2, it's not even my number one priority anymore. Just give me someone who can at least run a competent offense, which Colt McCoy could somewhat do. Glennon can't do it all. Yeah, no, we wanted somebody who could push the ball vertically to be the quarterback two, just so that quarterback two can throw vertical interceptions, essentially, is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what we, we wish this and it ended up bad. Just seems like our life right now as Giants analysts and Giants fans, we just can't seem to get this thing right. And we just want it to be right. But now how long is it going to take for this stupid thing to get right? Give us something. So Jake Fromm, maybe he's that spark plug. I wanted to bring that one up, Nick. There's not too much to really talk about in my mind from this game. Like, I don't really have much. We'll, we'll get to more, obviously, as we get to the film. And like Lorenzo Carter will be a great person to talk about. But I'd rather wait for the film. So we have something more to talk about there. Because, you know, instead of waxing poetic about him now, and even, even that, it's like, where are we at with that, right? He's going to be a free agent. He hasn't shown any flashes really consistently. And now he has a game like this. Like, where does that even leave us? It doesn't even get, like, I would so much rather this be a two-sack, three-quarterback hit game for Aziz Ojolari, you know, rather than Carter or even Quincy Roche. It doesn't really leave me anywhere when, or Ellerson Smith, for example. It doesn't leave me anywhere with Carter because they're probably not going to resign Carter, right? Like, there's no cap space. And he hasn't shown enough in consistent basis. Like, does this change your mind at all on your outlook on Carter and what you want the team to do with him this offseason? Well, in terms of what the teams are going to do with him this offseason, I don't know what his market is. He's coming off of the Achilles injuries. He's putting together good tape. There could be a team with more cap space that looks at his athletic profile and says, hey, we're going to give this kid a shot. I know, you know, Patrick Graham loves him, you know, these coaching staff really appreciates him, but I don't know if he's going to be able to be retained, especially since the Giants did add quite a few bodies at the edge position. I would love to be back at the right price. I think this game was kind of a, uh, this is what we expected from Lorenzo Carter, that kind of game. 
but it's never been consistent. And at least he was able to do it now. If, at least we got something from the 2018 draft class in this game because Saquon Barkley had the fumble, didn't really do too much other than that, despite being the main focal point of the game plan. And Will Hernandez is just horrendous, just terrible as a football player right now. He literally sets this offensive line back, which is so depressing to think about and say, Dan, because he was one player that we were hoping could have that breakout year because he had the COVID year last year. We had a lot of excuses for him and now he's in a contract year and he's literally fallen straight on his face. Man. Yeah. I, I hate talking about Will Hernandez. I hate because everybody says, you know, stop talking about the 2018 class. Well, the fact of the matter is NFL draft classes take time to develop four years yeah. after class is actually exactly when you want to be talking about a class, like the stop talking about the 2018 draft crowd is kind of wrong because that's why the Giants are at where they're at. They needed star players out of that draft. They had the second pick overall in every round. And just to, to land Hernandez, Barkley, Carter out of that and Hill, who they traded, it's just it's a tough spot. They didn't acquire any more picks. Their day three picks are long gone and never had any chance on this roster. RJ McIntosh, Kyle Laletta, like it's rough, man, but you're right. Will Hernandez is just unplayable at this point. He, it's almost the point where people are asking, rightfully so, who can they bench him for right like who can they bring in that he needs to be benched in some ways like he's a he's a net negative for this offense he's holding them back you're right it sucks man let's talk about another thing that sucks sterling shepherd tore his achilles in this game i think this will be the last snap that we see from sterling shepherd i'm not so sure that would be the case if dave gettleman's retained which i don't think he will be i think joe judge coming back will make it a possibility that Shepard will be here because we know under the judge Gettleman era, and I think this will continue with judge and whoever the new GM is assuming it might be, you know, we're hearing it might be Kevin Abrams, which in my mind won't change too much. Uh, pretty, it will be pretty close to what we're getting now, but you know what they prioritize. It's team first captain players. They re-sign Logan Ryan, push back his cap it. I said at the time, you can look back on those pods. I wasn't a fan of that and it doesn't look good now. I don't really like where that's at. I don't feel good about where that's at. He is uncuttable. I mean, there's 15 million in dead cap to cut him. But Shepard, who they pushed back some of his cap hit for the 2022 season. Or I'm sorry, I was looking at the 2021 number for Ryan. Ryan's dead cap isn't that high, but it's 11.45 million in dead cap with only 775 grand uh, saved. So Ryan will be on this roster, you know, wrong side of 30, not producing as much as that. But Shepard is going to be a tough question because they're going to have 8 million in dead cap if they want to cut him and 4.5 million in cap savings, which typically you don't want to do that, right? Like the whole point is you don't want to be taking 8 million in dead cap and saving just 4.5 million to get him off the roster. But now with the torn Achilles this late into the season, Nick, I think that's it. I think you just got to take the 4.5 million in cap space, especially for a team that's going to be up against the cap with very limited cap space. They're currently heading into the season, at least as of now, with I believe the fourth least, fourth fewest cap space in the NFL for 2023. It's either third fewest or fourth fewest. I saw these numbers a couple days ago. Um, but with the fourth fewest or third fewest, regardless of what it is, you probably want to take back that 4.5 million for a player who, again, is also on the going to be on the wrong side of 30. And a player who may not be able to come back off that Achilles 100%. Achilles are tricky. Or not come back until like week 12 of week 13 or whatever it may be of next season. I think at this point, Nick, this will be the last down we see Sterling Shepard in Giants uniform. Yeah, I agree. And it's unfortunate. I've always liked Sterling Shepard. I always thought his route running was incredibly underrated. His release, he, he seems like a really good team player type of guy. And I don't think he's ever going to play again as a New York Giant, which 
really, really sucks, to be honest. But it's kind of the nature of the business. Hopefully, he can heal up and go somewhere else and have success. Best route runner on film by far, in my opinion, over the last five years for the Giants. He is tough. People say he's not tough because he gets injured. But the reality of the situation is he takes hits over the middle. He catches balls over the middle. He rarely drops footballs. But in the end, his career with the Giants will be you know, marked in some ways by the injuries. He's had multiple injuries now. There are multiple lower body injuries. That's what scares me the most, the lower body, body injury buildups. That's when, you know, I'm not a big believer in injury prone, but in that label, especially, you know, we've seen it with Evan Ingram this year. He's really found a way to shake that label over the last two years. But when the lower bodies start to add up, man, I start to feel like, you know what? That's an injury prone player. That's a player you can't bank on playing a full season. And that's the case with, with Shepard. So despite having to eat 8 million, almost 8 million in dead cap space, which is not an easy pill to swallow, I think it will be the right decision for them. Yes. And we can't also forget that his early injuries were also head related. He had a lot of concussion right. issues as well. So it's just been um it's been unfortunate for Sterling Shepard. Wish him the best, Dan. I want to get your take on the uh, fourth down decision making. Now we saw Joe Judge be very very aggressive in this game because the offense wasn't doing anything and they went for it. I think they lined up three times around their own thirty yard line, which is wild. And the one time Matt Parrott committed his second false start penalty <laughs> on that drive to absolutely murder that drive, so they didn't end up going for it there. What was uh, your take on all that? Yeah, I mean, they had the one downs inside their own. Uh, they had the, the the penalties. Listen, this is just a team that I thought it was good of him to do that. Like, I know people will be down on him for doing this because it didn't work or they'll be results oriented, but they needed to try something aggressive in this game to try to create points. They weren't creating points. And even on the one where they gave up, I believe after that, the Cowboys kicked a field goal. Is that right? The one that they, yes, yeah, they held them. The only two touchdowns to a field goal. So it's like, was- yeah, the worst case scenario of that was this that they gave up three points and, and ultimately like three points shouldn't be that, you know, it shouldn't be that Bennett. <laughs> I should try to look for the right word. It shouldn't be ultimately something that really defines and determines games. Obviously, that's not the case for this Giants team. They only put up like six to 15 points a game. So you obviously need all the points you can get. And you got to hold teams to no points like just look at some of the I mean, the games the Giants have won this season are crazy, man. 13 seven against the Eagles. A game against the Raiders where they literally only scored points off of tur- they scored ten points off of turnovers and barely scored anything else. They had one nice drive where they like, strung together things, moving the pocket. And uh, what were the other two wins? I'm, I blank on them every time because they're just like so crazy to me. What were the other two wins the Giants have had from an offensive standpoint? Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers, which was, was another like twenty-five to three, game. and then the Saints in overtime. Yeah. And the Saints, they finally put some offense up. But listen, like, you got to find ways to try to generate points. I'm okay with his decision-making. What did you think of his decision-making? I, I was fine with his decision-making, to be honest. I didn't love the quarterback sneak. I get that you have a six-foot-seven right. quarterback. And all he has to do is fall forward, but you don't get a lot of push up front. And he's definitely slow to corral the snap and then get behind an offensive lineman to find the hole. So I would have liked to see maybe a different play call there. And I know they already used a play call that worked their longest gain of the day that 31 yard run was on a fourth down but i don't necessarily hate the fact that they went for because they did need to do something at that time in my opinion yeah agreed with that i want to get your take on something else with judge i mean i've posed the question a few times over the last couple weeks like what does he actually do well as a head coach i know you know some people say it's the uh they play hard for him or they fight hard for him which to my mind is a a low bar to set b i think that's true for every winning team so it doesn't really say much to me about a losing team but 
I also don't think they really fight that hard for him. Like I watched the Lions today. The Lions won an incredible upset game over the Cardinals, something the Giants have had no chance of doing. They've beaten none of the good teams they've played. They haven't even come close to beating any of the good teams they played, save for Kansas City, who wasn't playing good football when the Giants played them. All I'm saying is, you know, after they won that game, Detroit, and that's a team I've watched all season long, quote-unquote, fight hard for the coach. And it actually looks like they actually do fight hard for the coach, in my mind. The sidelines riled up after that win, and throughout that game, the sidelines on, you know, on edge, they're talking with each other. And after the game, you know, Jared Goff has this huge hug with the coach. There's all these, there's this moment for this team, right? And maybe if the Giants beat or upset one of these teams, there'd be that kind of moment. But that sideline looks dead to me, that Giants sideline. It's looked dead for a month plus now with the so-called, they love to play for Joe Judge. They love to run laps like a high school team after practice, like on this losing team. That sideline looks dead, man. And it just doesn't look to me the same as it looks as this team playing for this one in 10, you know, Lions, uh, you know, team. It just looks different. That to me is what a bad team fighting for the hard for the coach looks like. This is just another like example of, you know, the, I think when, when Mara saying they didn't quit on the team, I guess he's comparing it to like the McAdoo and the McAdoo, right. Or the end of like Coughlin where, you know, there was some scuttlebutt about the team quitting in the locker room disarray. I guess there's no locker room disarray, but this to me doesn't look like a team fighting hard. Do you think this looks the same as the Lions to you? I think it doesn't look the same as the Lions because the Lions have a competent quarterback and an offense that can move the football. I think the Giants had that. It would look a lot better on the sidelines. I think I don't think this team has quit on Joe Judge whatsoever. I think the reason why they might not look like they have the pep in their step is because it's the third quarter and they've done nothing offensively. And that's draining mentally. Yeah, that's a fair take. That's a that, fair that's take, and I don't think I don't think they've quit on Judge. I want to make that clear. I just don't really think this is a quote unquote plus. This is supposed to be his only plus that they're fighting so hard for him. I don't see it. I don't think that's the only plus. I think the the plus is the future. I think that's what John Mara is buying into is that they are setting a foundation that they can build upon. Now we don't see any of that foundation, obviously. So hopefully, there's something in the building that John Mara sees. Us fans and us people on the outside, there's nothing to glean here that is positive. Yeah, you have some young players who are playing relatively well, but that's going to happen even in the crappiest of situations. In terms of preparation, in terms of not shooting yourself in the foot, avoiding self-inflicted wounds, that's something the Giants don't do, man. And that's coaching right there. That, that points right back to coaching when you keep shooting yourself in the foot. And it's every week, Dan, we come back here and we say, oh man, they took a false start on a third and two and it ended up right. being a third and seven. That happens way too often. And if you had to blame somebody, it has to be the head coach there. And I know it comes down to, you know, oh, Will Hernandez just decided to step back or oh, Matt Parrott forgot what the snap count was. At the end of the day, that goes into preparation. Preparation is not great with this New York Giants team. What's going on, everyone? Football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Giants tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as you go to find NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge. Aren't those terrible? Which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets, don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's a pretty good deal. If you just want to go check out the Giants, you know, pregame, hopefully they win a football game, then please head on over to TickPick.com today to save $10 on your first order of Giants tickets. That's TickPick.com. Check it out, everyone. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply that simple yeah that's understandable and i think you know we're all taking our frustrations out i'm a little frustrated right now with joe judge i'll be honest i don't it's hard for me to see the upside right now with judge with keeping judge it almost feels like it's going to make this franchise take a step back to be completely honest it's because you want the gm to be able to clean house and pick his own head coach but you know you hope there's upside and i and i agree with you there's some things i do like about him i like I like some of his roster building strategies, I suppose. But, you know, I will say this as far as players fighting hard for their coaches, quote unquote. I don't know if it's for their coaches. I would tend to believe it's for themselves. Every single thing they put on film is a tryout for the next team they'll play on or if they get cut or if they're free agents or if they're traded. And they have to put good film on for themselves. So I'm just never going to look at the whole quote unquote, they're fighting hard. They haven't quit on their coach thing as a positive. I need real pause. I need other positives for me to, you know, buy into a coach. And unfortunately I'm going to be down on judge going into this off season. Cause it looks like we're stuck with him at least for another year and he'll get a chance to prove himself. Um, and I do think you have a good point there, Nick, that if the offense had a competent quarterback or had better quarterback play, it would look better on the sidelines. I can agree with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I think- and I hope so at least. Uh, yeah, same here. I definitely hope so as well. And I think the whole um to, to go to the point that you were just referencing, I think you look at Leonard Williams, for instance, this is a guy who just got paid, right? This is a guy who actually has a tricep injury that he could say, you know what, I don't really want to risk it. I'm just going to sit out. But instead, he wants to go out there and he wants to battle. He doesn't necessarily have a lot to gain from doing that on this crappy team, but he still does it. And I think that's a uh, a small thing that you can look at and be like, well, I don't think he does that for a coaching staff or a team that he doesn't necessarily care for. You think that's a good point? It's something that I, I think I think Stink brought it up on the broadcast. And it's just also something when I saw him dress, I was actually surprised. I was like, wow, Leonard Williams is yeah, playing the game. I was like, oh, wow, that's that's pretty cool because I thought he was trending towards being out. Yeah, for sure. I think that shows you know, kind of the leadership that they liked in him. And listen, they prioritize. There's a reason they paid him all this money. They do hmm. prioritize these types of players, these, you know, the Logan Ryans, the the Leonard Williams, the guys who 
or company men in a lot of ways and will help, quote unquote, to build a culture. I'm waiting for that culture to build. And I'm a little worried about kind of putting too much eggs in the basket as far as just like allocating too much cap space or resources toward these types of players, these quote unquote locker room guys, because it's not leading to results yet. But, you know, it does. It is a good sign that a player like that is doing that. Obviously, the Giants have made this guy, you know, they're they're basically paying him like a franchise face, Leonard Williams, 25 million a year. What it's going to be against the cap next year. That's insane money. Like you got it. You're a franchise face. You have in my mind. You almost have to be playing in these types of games. Yeah, you have to be productive as well. And I don't actually don't have Leonard's sack numbers in front of me, but he doesn't lead the team in sacks. It's Aziz Ojolari with seven and a half, correct? Yeah, he's been he's been like he's been fine. I think we'd both agree as far as we you know, we do this every week watching the film. He's been good on film like he's been good enough kind of on film. I don't know if it's just like Giants are getting any kind of value at that price, but he's still there. I still feel like out of all the defensive players, I'm curious your take on this. Let's say just like hypothetically, the Giants were going to start next season and immediately in week one, somebody tears his ACL on the first play. I feel like Williams would have the biggest like that's their biggest potential loss. I would agree, to be yeah. honest, just because he takes double I, teams. He takes double teams. Not even just that. You even see with Patrick Graham, he still uses him on the edge sometimes. He trusts him with a lot of different things. He right. uses him as a penetrator, use him as a looper, one technique, three technique, two eye, four eye, all of those things. Leonard Williams executes all those roles to a pretty high level. He's a good, I would say he's a really good run defender, and he's a above average good pass rusher who is double teamed often. Sometimes you want him to kind of flash a little bit more. I think he's a little bit quiet sometimes, which is something that is definitely frustrating for someone making $25 million. But at the end of the day, I still think he is a, a top player on this team overall. I mean, you don't even have to really specify team overall because the offense shouldn't even be included in this conversation, <laughs> but Leonard Williams. I mean, I'm still a big fan of Leonard Williams. Yeah, for sure. I want to get your take on a couple other things. Let's first start with, I tweeted out this week that I am still Fully on Team Kenny Galladay. I like the film I saw of him in Detroit. I like the age-based, uh, you know, the age-based factor. I still think there's room for growth, and I still think there's plenty of prime left. In my opinion, the whole entire narrative on Galladay will change when the Giants have competent quarterback play, and I just fully believe in that. Like, I just think everything's going to change. We're going to view this guy as a completely different player if there's a quarterback who's putting the ball in the right spot, on time, with velocity, with ball placement. Uh, and obviously, more importantly, on time, often. Like, I just fully believe that. Where are you at with Kenny Galladay and the whole idea to kind of give him this $72 million contract this offseason, how we look at him moving forward, if you want to get out of that contract early, which I've seen a lot of people talk about. Where are, we at, right? Where are you at right now with Galladay? I'm willing to definitely give Kenny Galladay another year and, and hopefully chalk this one up, up as an anomaly because I do believe in his talent just like you do. I think he is one of the better contested catch ball winners at the wide receiver position, but we haven't really seen that this season, which we brought up on this podcast and which everybody who watches the games can see, but I still do believe in the talent. I'm not really necessarily looking into getting out of that contract just yet. I think it was an aggressive move to go out and get Kenny Galladay. I appreciated that aggression at the time. So I'm not going to retroactively kind of criticize it because I did believe that the giants needed to invest in the wide receiver position, specifically a bigger bodied X type of receiver who could win contested catch situations because Daniel Jones had a lot of success with Darius Slayton in his first year because Daniel Jones trusts those one-on-one -on -one matchups and man coverage. We just haven't seen it this year. Those guys don't have a lot of snaps together and the snaps they do have together. Galladay is a little bit dinged up. So hopefully next season, if Daniel Jones does come back in a different offense, a much more creative offense, they can maximize Kenny Galladay. But, you know, looking at it now, 
you would you would have uh, imagined that we would have appreciated maybe even a little bit more if the Giants actually invested in the offensive line. But at the time of the signing, I I was fine with Kenny Galladay, and I'm fine with him moving forward. Yeah, fair enough. I'm I'm in the same boat, obviously. Um, all right, Nick, let's wrap it up by talk having a little bit of fun. Obviously, this was no fun for anybody going to the Giants game. My 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 dad sold his tickets a long time ago. Actually, lucky for him was able to get above face for these from Cowboys fans. And I told him, don't feel bad about it. He was asking me, should I feel bad about this, Dan, selling to Cowboys fans? I said, no, don't feel bad about this. It's not your problem. It's not your fault. It's John Mara's fault. You know, it's Dave Gettleman's fault. It's this entire team's fault. Don't you dare feel bad, any fan out there, for selling your ticket to the opposing team fan in a season that's as lost as this one. Make your money back that they took from you in the first place. And that's my point, because I'm going to get to this next thing. How out of touch, man, how absolutely out of touch do you have to be as the New York Giants to have Fan Appreciation Day, season ticket holder appreciation day, and offer one free medium Pepsi on season ticket holder appreciation day. And I found out later, Nick, just unbelievable stuff. If you're a season ticket holder who has four seats and paid that stupid, <laughs> paid not stupid franchise. I'm just frustrated with them. They're not stupid. I still love you giants, but paid this franchise $80,000 of your hard earned money for PSLs. Like if you're in the bottom tier, <laughs> you get one free Pepsi for your four seats. Let's say you had four no seats. Way. You only got one free Pepsi. It's not per ticket. It's per season ticket holder. <laughs> Just unbelievable. <laughs> just crazy stuff. We're talking about like three, three cents of Pepsi. It probably cost them three cents to give out this Pepsi. And it's just, it's crazy to me that they would do this in a season that's this bad. And they know the fans are so frustrated about and the fans are so angry about after all the promises, after bringing back the same regime that a lot of people did not want to come back last year, did not want to come back this year, has not wanted to come back for a long time now. Buying into the hype, signing a receiver to try to fix all the problems, plus a corner in a Dory Jackson uh, and whatever else they did, Kyle Rudolph, Devontae Booker. And then to have this season and then to offer your fans one free medium soda per season ticket holder, that's crazy, man. The Giants can't even get fan appreciation day right, man. <laughs> like that's that's how bad it is. When I when I saw what the fan appreciation day gift, if you want to call it that was. <laughs> And it was a medium Pepsi and it was not even a large. I, I literally put my head down and I started laughing. I was like, dude, that is freaking hilarious. And I had no idea that it was per PSL. I thought it was, you know, per seat. I no, not per PSL. And you get, or you, you have to buy a PSL for every seat. It's actually just per season ticket holder. Like if you own four seats or two seats, you get one either way. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. That is so out of touch, man. It really is. You would imagine that John Mara and the Tishes and, and everybody would want to do everything in their power to erase this yeah. stench that hovers over MetLife Stadium. And by offering a free medium Pepsi is literally a spit in the face of Giant fans. And I know this is it's a silly thing. It's whatever. But like, come on, man. You can't give nachos out, you know, hot dogs, <laughs> hot cocoa, anything, man. Like, it's crazy. It's just it's out of touch, bro. It's It's insane. It's so out of touch. But. That's where we'll end it. Um, that's what this podcast is going to be called. We're running out of stuff, man. I mean, this is such a frustrating team to recap right now. I don't know. Do you have anything else you wanted to touch on before we go? Uh, dude, I came across a stat, and I know they were talking about it online, about this two-minute drill before the end of the second half. Oh, yeah. Bro, the Giants are being outscored 65 to nothing 
at the end of the first half in the final two minutes on the season. Well, I'll ask you this then, Nick, because I don't think because I've that's that's amazing. Like some of the stats you see on this team, this offense, it's just mind boggling. It's like setting new levels of bad worse than it's ever been. But I'll ask you this, Nick, like that's obviously means like the giants haven't been just been bad from a two minute drill standpoint on defense. It means they've obviously been similar on offense. Do you blame the court? Like, do we have to start looking at Daniel Jones? Can he operate out of the two minute drill? You know, cause that's a big thing for quarterbacks. You need to be operating well out of a two minute hurry up drill. I think everybody shoulders the blame here. And there were times where the defense actually did stick up and come up with a big stop and the offense would follow it up with a three and out. So it's, some of it was on Daniel Jones. Some of it was more recently on Mike Glennon, but we haven't seen a lot of Daniel Jones operating the two minute drill and doing an excellent job doing that. So that definitely, yes, your point I think is accurate that he deserves some criticism there, but I would like to um, go through each game and each instance, you know, individually to see what actually went wrong. Well, like maybe Daniel Jones put it right into Darius Slayton's hands. Yeah. And Darius Slayton dropped it because Darius Slayton does that sometimes. So I think it all has to be analyzed individually. Agreed. I just think it's kind of scary to think about that they haven't been operating the two-minute drill uh, with, you know, their top pick quarterback. But hopefully, you know, that just can improve as they improve the coordinator, the offensive line, the things we've been saying now for two years now, really. Um, But possibility for sure. You never know in the NFL. People get, like, look at Ryan Tannehill. He's obviously made a massive upgrade um, over the years. Anyway, Nick... (laughs) Obviously, you know, this team leaves us at sometimes speechless, but I will say this. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. And good stuff is ahead for our pad pot from our podcast standpoint. Like, I hope you guys enjoyed the mailbags. Let us know if you did. We're open to all and any ideas throughout the rest of this season. There's obviously still a few weeks left. We're probably going to be doing only one all 22 per week. Obviously, we've seen the downloads. We know people aren't as interested in that. And that makes sense. But we have we are open to other ideas, and we will soon have where, in my opinion, we do our best not to toot our own horn or pat myself on the back, Nick, or pat ourselves on the back. But that's draft coverage. That's off season coverage, free agency, and the draft. There's going to be a new general manager. We're going to be all over that. So stick with us. Good times are ahead from a podcast standpoint. We can no longer guarantee good times are ahead from the Giants standpoint. Is that fair to say, Nick? Oh, absolutely. They had did not earn that. Yeah, I feel too bad guaranteeing that or at least even hinting at that. But at the same time, we want to try to be positive here. So keep it locked and loaded. It's going to be a fun offseason. We're obviously going to have a whole lot of draft to talk about, a whole lot of GM to talk about and free agency. So thank you to everybody tuning in. Have a great rest of your week. Try to have fun. Try to not think about the Giants too much. I've learned that's the best way to have a good week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.